0: From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, Boris Malugin on ring disinsertion techniques and Bonnie Henderson on posterior polar cataracts.
1: Some people tell me that uh, actually removing the ring is sometimes a little bit more challenging for them uh, than injecting.
0: First this. This year's ASCRS annual symposium was great. I learned a lot that I'm applying to my practice right now. If I have any complaint, it's that I couldn't get to all the sessions I wanted to because some of them overlapped. That's why I'm so excited about the new ASCRS Media Center. More than 1,300 sessions from that meeting are now available through this great new resource. See what you missed or revisit the most interesting sessions. The Media Center is free to all meeting attendees. Stay tuned after the podcast for more information. I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the annual meeting of the Asia-Pacific Association of Cataract and Refractive Surgeons in Singapore. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today, we will hear from Boris Malyugin on pearls for disinserting the Malyugin ring and from Bonnie Henderson on avoiding complications with posterior polar cataracts. I hope that you enjoyed these interviews as much as I did. I'm Josh Young. I'm here with Boris Malyugin. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to be to be speaking with you. I really am. The... Malgugen ring has really, I, I, I has, has changed my my life, and I can tell you, it's changed the life of my patients too. It's it, it certainly changed the way that I approach patients on uh, floppy iris patients, tamoxifen patients. Uh, since I have you here, uh, do you do you have any, any any pearls for me about how I should use the ring?
1: Actually. Uh I do like uh, to use the ring straightforward uh, after uh, making my main incision. Uh, Of course, uh, I will recommend you not overfill your anterior chamber with viscoelastic because you are actually pressing the iris against the capsule. Uh, The other point is that when you are actually having a very small pupil and posterior sine here, I, I like to lyse them first and then go with the ring. And uh, the, the next steps are quite straightforward. You just inject the ring and it engage the distal scroll and uh, two lateral scrolls, and then you use the sideboard instrument to position it in place. Some people tell me that uh, actually removing the ring is sometimes a little bit more challenging for them uh, than injecting, uh, which, which is quite logical, because while injecting, you have to have a little bit less manipulations uh, as opposed to removing it. So to remove, I, I do prefer to disengage the distal scroll first. This is the distal one, really? which is uh, contra-incisional. Yeah, uh, no,
0: no, I understand what, what you're why saying. Why is that?
1: Because actually when you, uh, when you release it, you can displace the ring a little bit uh, away from the incision. And you have a better exposition of the proximal scroll, which, which you disengage at the second step. Uh, and it is especially helpful when, when you have a long uh, incision. Or when you have a small eye, and uh, sometimes you have the difficulties in visualizing where this scroll is, so uh, it's quite helpful. So I disengage only two scrolls, the distal one and the proximal one, and then go with the uh, injection device. Uh, help with the sec- second instrument, lift a little bit above uh, the ring, above the uh, the iris plane, and then catch. That's catch so clever, it. you know, yeah, because
0: yeah. I. I, I, I of course, like a lot of clever things, as soon as you say it, I think, you know, why did I think of that? Um, yeah, no, uh, what, what what I found too, uh, is is because of the the direction of the scroll of the, of the loops, if you disengage it and rotate it counterclockwise, that all the loops come out
1: of the... Absolutely, this is yeah. a great point, and uh, I sometimes use it, uh, which is quite useful. Although when you're rotating, it's too much, so you have a, a chance to um, to disturb the pigment epithelium, yeah. which is back on the back of the iris, so that's why I try to avoid uh, huh. multiple rotations uh, because this can actually this will not cause you a big uh, trauma, but some some trauma to the pigment, so you will have pigment release to the to the aqueous, which I, I would like to avoid.
0: Yeah. Now, on, on a on a on a slightly different topic, you 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 spoke about the management of of patients uh, with uh, weakness of the zonules. Uh, can can I get you to, to to sort of flesh out for me what what do you do with these patients? Uh,
1: actually, I uh, modified uh, the Sioni ring, which was uh, a great uh, device for me, but difficult to implant uh, because of this uh, uh, segment that goes after the uh, yeah, after the, uh, the fixation element. So I, what I actually did is to cut it. Uh, Uh, at the end so cut this sharp end and that's make the situation quite different so now you can really inject this uh, device inside the uh, retract it inside the injector tube and then inject it into the eye as with IOLs it's much better when you inject IOL than when you implant it manually we are not implanting it anymore because we have a greater control uh, over this the whole process and uh, actually, this device is uh, manufacturer is the same as Cioni Ring, as a mortar. Mm-hmm. And recently, I uh, have have an information from uh, from all of uh, that uh, the device uh, get FDA approved. So I hope for, I hope you will soon will be able to use it uh, in in your practice.
0: Yeah, well, I I, I, I hope not to have a patient too soon that I have to use it on. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean it is absolutely brilliant stuff. Boris, thank you very, very much. Спасибо. Uh, <laughs> uh, <not> uh, really. <laughs> th- th- thank you, thank you for sharing time with us yeah, today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: I'm Josh Young. I'm here with my 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 old and dear friend. Oh my God, <laughs> not an old friend. My young and dear friend, uh, Bonnie Henderson. We're uh, going to be talking about posterior polar cataracts. Bonnie, posterior polar cataracts are often. Uh, associated with with defects or or, or at least with weaknesses in the the posterior capsule. How do you modify your technique Mm -hmm. with cataract surgery to to deal with this this potential problem?
2: Uh, You know, I agree, posterior polar cataracts are really scary. I think they're scary for anybody, whether you're a novice surgeon or whether you're an experienced surgeon. It's one of those types of cases where you always have to think about the case beforehand and you have to breathe deeply and really get ready for the case. And as we all know, posterior polar cataracts do have this weakness of the posterior capsule, and sometimes there's an absence of the posterior capsule right at the opacity. And so because of that, I do modify my technique in several ways. Talk about it. So the the first thing that I do is when I'm actually injecting the viscoelastic to inflate the anterior capsule, the anterior chamber, before I make the rexus, I actually don't hyperinflate the anterior chamber. So that's the first step. And number two, when I make the capsule rexus, I actually think that possibly I may put in a sulcus lens. And so I keep that in mind to make sure that my rexus is continuous and circular and a little bit smaller than than larger. And the reason is because if I am gonna put in a sulcus lens, I want to make sure there's enough support to put in a sulcus PCIOL.
0: And uh, are you thinking when when you're when when you're doing this that if, if you put the lens in, in the in the sulcus that you may you may buttonhole the the optic through the, through the rexus exactly. I and mean, what you, exactly, what so what you
2: that's, that's another thought is the size of the rexus because the optic I may push down posteriorly into the capsular bag. So those are the initial different steps that I take. The biggest difference for me is I don't hydro the nucleus. So and, and
0: just, just to flesh that out, the, sure. the reason being what?
2: The, there is a weakness in the posterior capsule, so the idea is that if you hydro dissect, just the force of the pressure of the BSS can actually split the posterior capsule and cause a rupture and you can completely dislocate the lens posteriorly if that occurs.
0: One, one of the, the, the topics that, that was brought up at, at uh, Winter Winter Update 2 is, is that even if there's some residual material in the posterior pole with these cases, we really don't want to polish.
2: Exactly, that's exactly right. You really have to treat the posterior capsule in these cases with kid gloves. You want to make sure that you're extremely gentle, extremely extremely careful, because it is a little bit more fragile. So I think avoiding hydrodissection is, is the first. And in order to mobilize your nucleus, you want to hydrodelineate. So I oftentimes make many hydrodelineation points. So it's not just one hydrodelineation. I will cleave many different planes in order to really free up and mobilize the inner nuclear core.
0: One, one of the, the uh, things that, that I saw brought, brought up, too, that, that I've since try, tried out, and I have to tell you it was cool, is uh, what's been termed uh, reverse hydro di- dissection, uh, w- with the technique that, that, that I use, and obviously I want you to, to, to speak to, to this, too, is, is that, that I, I'll, at the start of cataract surgery, with, with most cases, make one very, very deep groove. And then, rather than hydro dissecting from anterior to posterior, you hydro dissect from the bottom of the groove so that the fluid wraps around to the to the uh, uh, front. I you know I can't think of. Wood was who, who, yeah, who, who, who presented this. I've,
2: I've heard of that technique. I, I think it's a great technique. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on who that person was that presented it, but I think that's a great idea, and the whole idea is to minimize the amount of pressure on the posterior capsule, so by hydro-dissecting from the bottom up, you're really, hopefully, causing the fluid to go anteriorly and not cause any rupture of the posterior capsule, so I think that that's really brilliant. Do you, do you
0: counsel these, these patients differently pre-op, tell, tell them?
2: Absolutely, always. So I always tell them there's an increased risk of a posterior capsular tear. So I oftentimes consent them for an anterior vitrectomy. I oftentimes talk about the different locations that I'm gonna implant a posterior chivalent. That's tripulant. a great point. Yeah, so I think it's important. So if the patients are aware that their eye is a little bit different and there are increased risks, then if something happens and they're not surprised, they understand that it's just one of the, the possible risks of surgery. So they're more able to accept a, a complication.
0: But it's really, really great talking talking to you. You know, it's always such such fun. And you know, thank you very much for for spending time with us today.
2: Absolutely, thanks, Josh. Great to see you.
0: Boris Malyugin is professor of ophthalmology in the Department of Cataract and Implant Surgery and Deputy Director General of the Fyodorov Eye Microsurgery State Institution in Moscow, Russian Federation. Bonnie Henderson comes to us from the Boston Eye and Laser Surgery Center of Ophthalmic Consultants of Boston in Boston, Massachusetts. Here's some additional information about the new ASCRS Media Center. Almost all of the 2012 ASCRS ASOA meeting was audio and video recorded, and there are now more than 1,300 sessions featuring almost 1,000 speakers available online. You can view the general sessions, ASCRS paper sessions, symposia, films and posters, plus select courses and ASOA sessions on business management. It's essentially the entire meeting, anytime you want, and it's all available through the new ASCRS Media Center. If you attended the meeting, your media center access is free. If you're a current ASCRS or ASOA member but didn't attend, you can still see everything that you missed for the member price of $199. If you're not an ASCRS member, you can still purchase the media center, or better yet, join us and get the lower member price. To view the 2012 meeting through the media center, Visit the ASCRS website at www.ascrs.org. If you're already a member, log in first and then click the Media Center link. If you're a guest, just click the Media Center link at the top of the page. From there, you can purchase the Chicago 2012 package, or better yet, join the ASCRS and receive the discounted member price. Ask questions of Dr. Malyugin, Dr. Henderson, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at jyoungmd at gmail.com. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.